Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, score senior football analyst, Hub Arkish, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back to Saturday Suckage. Indeed, of Arkish, Arkish, senior NFL analyst for the score, joins me on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. Hub, how are you today? I am good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing good on what has been known as Festivus or Sucktivus as, uh, as appropriate for this show. And, and, and here we go. So... Of the three, I've not heard you discuss this, and I know what happened last Sunday, but of the three double-digit chokes, the complete meltdowns, the losses the Bears had, I would contend this one was the worst given they had shown signs of improvement and were talking big, and if you're going to play well at any time, the end of the year is a really good time to do it. This one seemed to be the worst, and Mark said, when I had Mark Rohde on a little while ago, he said the Denver one was the worst because it Denver was a bad team. It would turn out that that would be the only win in Denver's first six games, and they just had no right to lose that kind of game. So where did it rank, and what do you think resounds from that? What what ripples are still left from last week's game? Well, I guess Grody and I are spending too much time together. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it's for the same reasons, but I certainly agree strongly with him. The Denver one was inexcusable and unexplainable and a complete collapse. Uh, of the three, this was, to me, the least concerning because I, I don't think that they lost it as much as Cleveland won it. Uh, they were playing, you know, one of the better, if not best teams, and when healthy, one of the best teams in the NFL. They were playing the number one defense. Um, they they didn't really do anything. You know, there's no mistake. I've gone back and watched it a couple of times. Uh, they lost to a better team. Now, I didn't like, you know, what Flus called with, with a defensive tackle playing pass defense. I, I Actually, the call was okay. I just think he had the wrong guy, uh, you know, back there hoping to cover a tight end. And, you know, things like that happen in games. Again, I'm not excusing it. It is the head coach's fault. But uh, I don't have a terrible problem. I mean, it's disappointed, yes, like everybody else. But uh, they played their best game, I thought, last Sunday. And in this rebuild and what they're trying to do, I think it's really more important to focus on everything that went right as opposed to, you know, whatever it was that went wrong. Nothing really went wrong. Uh, whatever couple plays they didn't make that caused them to lose the game. 
But it did go wrong when you blow that kind of lead and Joe Flacco completes 8 of 13 and gives up the most yards in, in the fourth quarter NFL season. He's 38. He got off a couch. They're, he's completing passes to guys who are who are open, deep. And, and so things did go wrong as far as putting faces and names together. I suppose that's the coaches would look at the film and have a different idea, but I don't think that's that's not Tom Brady beating you. That's not Drew Brees finding a ways. That's Joe Flacco, and that's a team that was beaten up. That was a, often a, a well-injured team. Yeah, I mean, Steve, we agree on that. Obviously, things went wrong. They lost the game. You, you know, they blew the lead. Uh, I was just responding really in comparison to the other two third quarter okay. leads or fourth quarter leads that they, they gave up. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you got to win that game. And when they become the team that they're trying to become, they are going to win those games. Uh, but I, I, I guess there's been so much focus, you know, for weeks now, and particularly this last week, on, on which guy it seems like almost everybody wants to fire, or maybe they want to fire everybody, you, you know, because they did this and they did that. And, and Steve, I got to tell you, I cannot take this demolition of, of, of uh, Getsy anymore. You know, it, it, nobody knows yet how good an offensive coordinator or bad he is. I hope that Matt Eberflus does, and he'll make whatever decision he makes. But all this blame being laid on Luke Getsy because Justin Fields can't make certain plays at quarterback, to me, is just ridiculous. It's Justin Fields' fault that he hasn't done these things. It's not Getsy's fault for the calls that he made. And the most important part, and I try and remind people of this, Steve, is that we have no idea what Luke Getze is calling. What he is calling is not necessarily what we see on the field because players are making mistakes or making changes or doing different things. And, and so, you know, fans and, and even media are not the right ones to be evaluating Luke Getze. Uh, and so I, I hope to continue to learn more the next three weeks. And by the way, again, I'm not strong one way or the other on Getze. I, I don't know, as I'm saying. But I, I just think there is so much conversation about the wrong things with this team right now that it gets kind of complicated and kind of difficult to know, you know how to answer them. So what are the, the, the three right things? If you're talking about conversation about the wrong things, what conversation? what are the three things the conversation should be focusing on with three games to go in the season? Well, you know, what I don't understand is is why they threw the ball, what was it, 40 times last week and why they didn't run the ball more. Now, I think they're banged up at running back, you know, and that's a problem. But what the Bears offense does best is run the football, and, and they have to find a way to stay with that. And it's okay to have a certain number of planned runs for, for, for uh, you, you know, Justin Fields because he's a great running quarterback. But – if he's going to be your franchise quarterback, if he's going to be a franchise quarterback, he has to be a pocket passer. You know, you can't, all these people who keep saying, stop trying to make him a pocket passer. If you're going to stop trying to make him a pocket passer, then just trade him, you know, because he's not going to be the guy. And, and so, but, but I did think that the way they got away from the run game, and again, I don't know how much of that is because they weren't completely healthy or not. And, and you know, uh, the offensive line had played much better but had a bad week last week. And and so I think that is something else that I can't figure out is is why it wasn't the same offensive line I saw the week before and the week before that. So how do you make Justin Fields a better pocket passer? Well, I don't know if you can or not. And by the way, again, because I know everybody thinks I'm against Justin Fields. I'm not at all. I'd love to see the kid make it. Um, But you do – you continue – to try and teach him how to read the field, how to make decisions faster. 
you try and work on his accuracy because his accuracy is a big problem, his, his lack of accuracy. And nobody ever talks about that. But, but go back and watch the table last week's games. And, and, and if I have to pick one thing that I thought cost them the game in the fourth quarter last Sunday, it was the throws that he missed, you know, because if he makes one or two of them, there's probably more points on the board and it takes more than a field goal to beat him. Um, and, and that's been you know, his history in the fourth quarter with the Chicago Bears. And I think that's the biggest concern right now about continuing to try and develop him. I think he has too much talent not to try and keep trying, at least for the next three weeks and maybe even for another season. But but the biggest concern about that is that he's making the same, you know, mistakes or having the same problems now that he was the first day of the season and, for that matter, last season. And and those are the things, you know, that, that they've got to figure out an answer for if he's going to be their quarterback. Bob Arkers is my guest, senior NFL analyst for The Score. We're talking Bears football here in The Score, Bears, Cardinals tomorrow. Um, whatever that is, have, do you believe the Bears have made a decision on Justin Fields and the season's just playing out? I know that's everybody's favorite topic. Oh, I, just, I, I don't have... No, no, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I understand why you're asking me. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. No, I, I don't, I, I don't. My suspicion is that they've made their decision, but that's not based on anything because that's not, you know, the things that they're going to tell us. Um, you know, it's not even a choice as to whether you continue to do everything you can the next three weeks. But I, I think that when you look at where the rest of the team is at and the development of a competitive, hopefully playoff team and eventually even a Super Bowl contender, um, uh, my guess is they have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do. I'm not even sure how much choice they have, to be honest with you, Steve, because if they do end up with the number one overall pick in the best quarterback draft of all time, according to a lot of experts, I'm not saying it is, but that's what I keep hearing. Um, and, you know, you're not, he has not improved enough or developed enough in these last three weeks to say, yeah, he can do those things now then you have to, you know, draft a quarterback. You don't have to do it with the first pick. You could do it with the fifth pick or the sixth pick or whatever the second first-round pick they have is. There's different ways to go. But what I feel very strongly about is if you do draft another quarterback, you don't have to trade Justin Fields. You don't have to get rid of him. You know, that might be a nice option, having a great athlete like Fields and another future generational quarterback and, and and try and develop both of them or let them compete or whoever it may be. People keep trying to lock this into, they got to do this, they got to do that, they got to do this, and that that's where they're going to be. But are they going to be better? Well, we don't know yet. So so that's that's the coach's job to, to keep trying to figure that out. Coach talked this week about fundamentals. He's mm-hmm. in his second year. Isn't the coach, the coaching staff, when you talk about Justin Fields making – the same mistake. Well, that's on fields. And and yet, that's a coaching staff that can't get things through to the player, haven't learned how to coach a particular player. And when you talk, you hear the head coach talking about fundamentals all over the, up and down the roster, that's his job. And, and it seems like he's not going to take responsibility for a lack of, for an inability to communicate those fundamentals to work on those fundamentals to make those fundamentals second nature. I don't, I want to know where you, how you interpreted those kind of comments and was it the head coach taking the blame or the head coach saying, I confess they're bad. No, I I mean, I do feel like I've gotten to know a little bit and um, you know, I, I don't think he's trying to avoid 
blame or responsibility at all. I, I think he's trying to find answers to questions that don't have answers right now. And, and that's going to put anybody in a tough spot, especially when you have to do it, what, three or four times a week, yeah. every week of the season. Um, you know, so trying to read, this is, is the same thing, whether we're talking about Flus or, 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 you know, Ryan Poles or, or Justin Fields, you know, trying to read their minds and assuming that we know what they're thinking. I, I just, I, I can't do that. I, I think that, it, I don't think anybody disputes that Flus has done an excellent job over the last eight weeks, as you see how that defense has, has improved. Um, and even at times, some improvement on the offense and at least some of the players on offense. So he definitely is doing a much better job, uh, you know, the second half of the season than at least the results showed in the first half. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, once he has told these players over and over everything he can as to how to do these things right and how to get these fundamentals straight and they're still not, you know, performing, then that's on the players. And then you just have to get different players. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the hard part for media or for fans or, or anybody else who aren't in those rooms, who haven't seen those playbooks, who don't know what the coaches are doing to try and fix these things. And and I do know that, you know, until that that one play and the end of the game last week, Flus, he owned that locker room. Those players are with him. You know, they, they believe in what they're doing. They believe in each other. Um, but it was concerning and, and disappointing that more than one player pretty much, they didn't flat out say it, you know, as clear as the day, but they did say that they blamed Flus for that, that last call, you know, the big play that set up the field goal that cost him the game. Do you think he lost the locker room because of that? I don't think he lost the locker room, but it, but it certainly was the first time that I've heard, you know, multiple players disputing the coach. When I became the most concerned about Justin Fields was, I think it was Wednesday on between week four and five, when he was asked what he thought might be going the most wrong for him. And he said it was the way he was being coached. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that I knew that they were in big trouble with him because when the 23 year old quarterback who isn't playing well, thinks the problem is the coaches and not him, you know, then you got a real issue and, and he knew it. And and that's why he couldn't wait to set up his, his next conversation immediately after practice to try and back away from it a little bit. Um, Which is one of the things I like about it. He's a smart kid and, and, and he, and and he's, he's a good guy and he's a good athlete. That's why we keep hoping that this is going to work out. But that was when I got the biggest doubts as to whether it is going to work out or not. And I heard some things again from him this week where he was once again talking about, you know, coaching decisions being the problems. You don't want your young developing starting quarterback blaming the coaches for what's wrong. Then the coaches do have a problem. And so that if if that is an issue now or not, that I can't say for sure. But that would be my biggest concern about where the players are at. Hub, what was specific? uh, What specifically was Justin Fields talking about that caught your ear? Oh, I I don't know if there's any. Yeah, I don't think it was any one thing that he said. Um, but but there, there's a lot of questions that he's asked uh, as to what went wrong with this or what went wrong with that. And his response seems to be, you know, well, the, the play that was called or, or, or we're not doing enough of this, those types of things. I think I go back to week four and five. It's pretty clear to me that, that he – I think it's fair to say he hasn't been happy with the way the coaches have been handling his development. Um, and, and, and I think that's probably the the biggest concern I have as to whether it can work out or not is I think that the players believe in, in Eberflus. I suspect they believe in their position coaches, 
Um, and, and, and I think they feel good about what they've accomplished, basically almost being a 500 team the second half of the season. Not that that's good enough, but it's a big improvement. Um, uh, but I don't know. You know, it's possible, Steve, because they are young, developing players. Maybe they feel like they've improved so much in the last six, seven weeks that it's okay to criticize what the coach is doing. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, getting in, we've been doing this a long time, and getting into the minds of these 22, 23, 27-year-olds, that I, I still have never figured out. Hub Arkers is my guest, senior NFL analyst for The Score, and we're talking Bears here. And what, what you brought up with young players saying, <clears throat> feeling emboldened maybe, or feeling, you know, they're feeling their, 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 their heads over their skis, but they're feeling good about it and saying what they think. And I, my first two thoughts when Darno Mooney offered what he offered were, it's the truth. What he's saying, he's, he's unfiltered in saying that. And he's the wrong guy after that game, that kind of game he had to be saying that and I don't know how you took that and whether you think that might resound or that's it that's that's part of the Darnell Mooney farewell tour like it's part of the Justin Fields farewell tour the coach the criticism of the coaching staff what did you think of Darnell Mooney's comments and coming from Darnell Mooney and what they may or may not have meant throughout this week you know Steve I think he's probably just reached peak frustration uh I've been trying to figure out all season long, what's going on with Darnell Mooney? I can't tell. <laughs> I mean, can you tell from week to week whether he's healthy or not? No. B- because, you know, he was a thousand yard receiver for Chicago. I mean, this guy's a pretty good player, and he hasn't been this year. And it's not the final play of the game. I know we all are going to make a lot out of that because how great would it have been if he held on to that ball? And you can argue that it was in his hands. He should have held on to it. And a true number one, maybe the number two receiver does hold on to it. But but that play isn't what upsets me. It's it's the lack of production regularly over the course of this season that I can't figure out with him. And And so, you know, why would you with, you know, all the – room they're going to have in, in, in money on you know free agents this year and, and the draft picks they're going to have. I'm not sure why you would count on him or bring him back at this point based on the season he's had. And and as far as you know what he had to say after the game Sunday, my suspicion is he was just embarrassed. He was just feeling terrible that he didn't make that play. He was just frustrated by that. So that one play and what happened there, I don't make much of it. But the fact that he's actually talked a few times in the last couple of weeks now, and it does all seem to be, you know, he, and he's not saying the wrong things. It's just that he's not saying the right things. <laughs> well, I thought he said the honest thing. That's really what it seemed very unfiltered to me. And I, that's what he's thinking. So you put it all together with what the defensive players were, were thinking or the way they've, they've indicated what they thought of the coach's call and Darnell Mooney talking. And then you're thinking, wow, there's there. If you scratch below the surface, there's more blood coming out. There's more, there's something roiling there. I think, I don't know if there's more to come and if they lose tomorrow and really for the good of the franchise future, they should lose tomorrow. They got to protect that draft choice. They can't let Arizona, you know, you got to make sure that, that the Panthers are, have a big lead going into the last week of the season. As far as the bears draft pick, the bears actually need to lose tomorrow to make sure the Cardinals have the win and they can't catch the Panthers. And then what might be said in the post game locker room? This sets up to be a doozy of a Christmas. 
Yeah, I mean, it's what has made this portion of this rebuild complicated because obviously you want to hold on to that number one overall pick. You know, I think the Panthers, uh, you know, getting a win last week really upset me. But, uh, you know, you can't do anything about that. It would be nice if they can hold on to that number one overall pick. Um, but but they, they've got tremendous assets, even if they don't end up with number one, even if it's two or three, there's still multiple options. And, and, and so, um, you know, but what's interesting, Steve, is that I was hearing the players do nothing but supportive, uh, be nothing but supportive of Flus and the coaches until that game last Sunday. And, and, and I wasn't hearing anything before last Sunday that sounded like what we've heard since. And, and so that's why I tend to assume it's more just about frustration and disappointment than it is the coaches having a problem. But I am not ignoring for a minute the possibility, as you point out, that it could be that the, 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 the coaches are losing their players. And then if they are, then, yeah, you got to make changes. you got to get new coaches because you can't replace all 53 players. Thank God there's something to look forward to in a lost season. Thank goodness. <laughs> Everything is content. Hub, have a safe, happy holiday. Thanks for coming on. You have a great holiday, and all our listeners, I hope, have a great holiday. And hopefully, the Bears give them a win. All right. You be that way. That's how Barkish. Senior NFL analyst on the score. Uh, we were talking Bears here. I need to alert you to this. Remy Martin and 670 the score want to give you a chance to play hoops on the United Center Court of Dreams. Look for the Remy display at your local retailer and scan the code to enter. Details at 670thescore.com slash contests, Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. So take a break. When we come back, the most fascinating game plan of the Bears season shows up tomorrow. I'll explain why. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Although Matt Eberflus has not benefited from that. But it does bring up for discussion the Bears' approach to this game, which arguably the most fascinating game plan of this regime's life. Bears, Cardinals, 
if they play Justin Fields, and boy, does this feel like the Justin Fields farewell tour, then they haven't made a decision to trade him. I mean, you sit Fields, so he's still a healthy asset when you want to trade him. So you have to ask what decisions they still have to make if they're going to play him tomorrow. One of these decisions would be, do the Bears need to win this game no matter what? Which could mean calling Fields' number, bunch of design runs for 150 yards. Or do the Bears go into the game with a call sheet almost exclusively consisting of pocket passes to see what kind of improvement, if any, Fields has made in becoming a pro-style quarterback in the pros? You just heard Hub talking about it. It's fascinating on many levels. First, what is Eberflus's appetite for what seems like an exhibition game? Fields solely in the pocket. I just want to see if you can do this. Remember, like, that's it. We're just going to work on these plays in the exhibition. Or a pitcher who goes out there, I'm just going to throw change-ups. I'm just, whatever. So Fields does so many other things better than pass from the pocket. He has trouble making anticipatory throws. And yet, you wonder, does does Matt Eberchoke need all the wins he can get for his feeble career, whatever that's going to amount to and whatever argument that will make at the end of the season? What is Getze's appetite for being told the game plan won't be his, but someone from above who still wants to see Justin Fields execute what he's supposed to do in a pocket passing game? The game plan would focus on something Fields doesn't execute well. The argument could be, we need to see if he's made any improvement. The response could be, that's not how we're going to win games, and I think winning games is going to help me keep my job. So it, some way or another, reflects on Getsy. We don't trust you to call the game, or you're going to call the game, and what are we really going to get? What if we leave that to you? We don't have a decision on him. And the game plan fields himself. He spoke this week during his farewell tour about how he has shown the Bears he has improved. He said something like everyone in the building has seen it. I I can't say I have necessarily. I haven't seen anticipatory throws. I haven't. He got pantsed compared to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is 38 years old, came off the couch. The fourth quarter, he threw for the most yards in the fourth quarter. Why can't we have nice things? Look, backup quarterbacks have as many game, fourth quarter game winning drives as Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of the worst quarterbacks, the worst quarterback in the fourth quarter. And he's improved. Really? Really? Where? Where where that it matters has he improved? And so the game plan, maybe it's maybe the architect is Ryan Poles. He would need to know whether this quarterback is a pro style quarterback, presuming he hasn't made a decision. Or Ryan Poles would need to at least see talents other than just running. 
Poles wants to build an offensive line that you know he's passionate about it. We've heard it. We've seen it at times. We've actually seen a good offensive line. He wants to build an offensive line so it can protect. The idea is protect the passer in the pocket. It's kind of basic, but that's kind of where we are. We need to, the Occam's razor of football in Chicago, we don't much know it. The quarterback's most important. You got to protect him. Ryan Poles doesn't want to seem to build a, he wants a quarterback protected. He wants football the way he sees it as pocket at a game played from the pocket. That's what the best quarterbacks do. He doesn't want an offense that relies on gimmicks. I don't think. He may take some here and there, but to totally rely on them? Ryan Poles must see what we see. Two years, almost two years into the Eberflus getsy fields marriage, there is no go-to play on third and one. There is no play. At the Bears say, we're going to run this. You know we're going to run this. We're going to get this. You can't stop us. And with all the encouragement to go forward on fourth down, on third, third and one, fourth and one, and they don't have that play. They don't have that guy. Their quarterback can't do it. Their offensive coordinator can't do it. Their head coach hasn't figured it out. So you're left to have Komet take direct snaps. You're left to jet sweeps. You're left. You were leave. You were working in bleeding in gimmicks, in just some way, some trickery. Remember, he had tricks up his sleeve. Eberflus said, "Tricks up his sleeve." He didn't have a trick for stopping a third double-digit fourth quarter collapse. So maybe Ryan Poles made a decision on Eberflus, but the game plan might be, I need to know what this quarterback can do. Or maybe we need to put on tape, video, whatever. We need to show off what this quarterback can do from the pocket to make him more tradable. Rosie, I was going to say, Luke Getze was actually asked by the media on Thursday specifically on why there has been some confusion on these third and fourth and short situations. So do you want to listen back to Luke Getze from from Thursday? Sure. Let's let's hear from the interim offensive coordinator. What's the key for an offense of finding some bread and butter for short yardage situations, whether it's the sequence that Courtney talked about or some of those other third and one, fourth and ones? What what does an offense need to do to find something that it can... Yeah, I don't think, and I don't think necessarily other than Philadelphia, right? They got the bread and butter for sure. But other than that, I, I think it's you know taking advantage of the situations that you got, right? And you know we had two really good opportunities this week, and you know you have those two 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 potential explosives if we're able to handle the situation just a little bit better. But that's both coaching and and, and players. That's both of us together working on those two opportunities. When you have premier looks, we got to make sure that we we, we capitalize on them because we had them. We love the call. We love what we were going after. We just didn't. Whether we wasn't us preparing them well enough, or whether we didn't execute it well enough, both of those things. But as far as bread and butter, I feel like you know we've done a really good job of attacking. Minus last week that the the the, the DJ one, right? We didn't prepare them well enough for sure on that one. Well, you just indicted yourself, and the fact that you have you say you've done a good enough job, and yet you suck at that, and that there's nothing there, and that you're relying on 
gimmicks, or if you're not relying on gimmicks, Luke Getze, you are defaulting to, oh, we didn't coach well enough. They didn't do it well enough. Really? This two years into this thing? And that, one of the most basic of situations, whatever it is, you need to get that. Third downs are vital. I just, the fact that we're still asking this question, the fact that he's trying to answer this question and not offend anybody, not say, I confess, they did it wrong. The fact that coach doesn't have any answers. At this point in the season, in the second year of this regime, just those questions tell you, your, give you your answer. And you got your buh, you got your bye. Bye-bye. That's the way it's going to go. But watch the game plan tomorrow. See if they're playing to win the game and how. Sure, they'll play to win the game. They're starting that quarterback. But are they starting that quarterback they want to resign or make him look as good as possible, as tradable as possible? Do they keep him in the pocket to see whether they want to keep him? Do they move the pocket to see whether they can lure a buyer. Fascinating. And who's designing the game plan? I'm Steve Rosenblum. Going to take a break. When I come back, I don't know if it has troubled Wake and Bake Club members, but I do want to provide you with an answer because I'm a pleaser, not a teaser. And the Wake Wake and Bake Club now has a team to root for in the college football playoffs. I'll explain after this. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. There's something important I was supposed to do today. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Hands down, dopest dope I've ever smoked. Wicked Bay Club. I love weed. I smoke weed every second of every day. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> <laughs> Smokey the Bear is going, only you can. I knew this. We're so high right now. We're not low. Open up the door. It's Dave. Who? Dave. D-A-V-E. Will you open up the door? Yeah, Dave. Dave. Right, man. Dave. Now, will you open up the door? Dave's not here. Oh. Hey, 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 hey. Smoke weed every day. I had the flu one time. Did a, did a gummy bear. I, I was like uh, breakfast at Bernie's, you know, the dead guy. Yeah. I was supposed to go to a party, and they, I went to the party, and they sat me in a chair, and people got sat beside me, took pictures, and I'm sitting there like uh, breakfast yeah. at Bernie's. Smoke weed every day. Calling this WB Club meeting to order. Okay, Waken Bakers, here's a question for you. You know what affects college recruiting? Legalized pot, that's what. A new study, this is just so good. A new study says legal recreational pot is good for college hoops recruiting and bad for college football recruiting. And it all makes sense, even to Waken Bakers. Researchers at Georgia College 
and State University and Kennesaw State University said there are numerous factors that affect recruitment trends in college athletic leagues, and they tested the relationship between adult-use cannabis policies and talent acquisition. The study, which was published in the Journal of Sports Economics last week, looked at recruiting data from 2003 to 2019 and applied difference-in-difference models, finding that marijuana legalization appears to be an, quote, important but complex driver of college sports recruiting. Smoke weed every day. For college basketball teams located in a state where cannabis is legal, those teams see an average 3.7% slot improvement in recruiting rankings. Quote, in absolute terms, being located in a state where legal marijuana exerts an effect on recruiting, that is 50% as strong as having a new coach, the study says. Conversely, Cannabis legalization is associated with poorer recruitment when it comes to football teams. Recruitment rankings, an average 2.9% lower. Those slots average 2.9% worse for colleges located in, in states without legal pot. Because the study didn't rely on survey data from individual athletes, the authors said any explanations that could be derived from their findings are merely conjecture, though they offered a few hypotheses. One theory is the difference in recruitment between football and basketball could be recreated, re, related to the marijuana policies of national leagues like the NFL and the NBA. Both used to penalize players pretty hard over cannabis, and then they adopted reforms. The adverse financial effects of positive tests were generally larger in the NFL, said the study. Also, unlike the NBA, the NFL's policy meant one positive test could end marginal NFL players' career, potentially influencing why players wouldn't even do it in college, wouldn't want to go near it, would not want to be caught. The NBA, by the way, earlier this year removed all... Collective bargaining agreement removes marijuana from the league's banned substances. It just gave up. Everybody knew it, and now it was the open secret, and now it's not a secret anymore. So you can, they can even invest in companies. They can start their own lines sometimes. So here we are, thanks to that study. Smoke the, weed every day. Among the states without legalized pot are Texas, Georgia, and Alabama. So then you've deduced this, Wake and Bake Club members. Michigan is the only college playoff team from a state that has legalized pot. WB Club has a rooting interest in this year's playoffs. It's official. Go Blue. Cush. That's it. It's Michigan for us. Julie Swika, I want to continue this WB Club rundown. Julie Swika. You know she's a staple of the suckage roll call, mainly because she's a fan of the White Sox. That that enough qualifies you. So she's earned her place. She's also a friend of the Wake and Bake Club. Actually, we need to now have a Wake and Bake Club for pets. 
I, I wasn't, can't say I've really followed this, but Julie is a loyal, loyal owner of Ewoks or whatever those dogs are called. She sent me a picture of doggy treats that came in her bark box package. And they were called Wakey Wakey. So close. Wakey Wakey. It was oatmeal and bacon. She was sending me this along with pictures of her two new Ewoks named Foo and Mochi. I joked about doggy gummies and she alerted me that there are indeed doggy CBD chews. I'm sorry, WB Club members, if I've let you down and not knowing this, I'm I'm admitting this. I I've I've failed you. But there are a ton of them. There are a ton of CBD chews, and it makes sense because I've used Avexia. It has been, it's a wonderful, it's like pot-infused Bengay. Rub it on, it's topical, it's great. And I know there are gummies that some help you sleep, some, some are for pain. Excellent. And you got to find the one that works for you. So, especially big dogs, you. I guess you can tell if you're, if you're a um, sensitive dog owner. You can tell when your dog's got anxiety and problems, but you can certainly see it if they have hip problems, joint problems, especially bigger dogs, and they develop them, and they're pretty. They, the larger larger dogs are, are going to develop them quicker and more <clears throat> more obviously. So a lot of these doggy chews and treats, CBD treats, are are hemp based, and they they will help your dog calm down. Smoke weed every day. They will help your dog reduce anxiety. So this is better than just blowing, just exhaling a number in your dog's face, which they used to be the party trick. Hey, dogs are here. So, they come in poultry-flavored, coconut, peanut butter. Just some of the, you know, choices that humans have. The doggies get humans, and now they can have human treats. And it goes goes for cats, too. I don't know if Dave the cat needs it. I don't. Grody and I have never discussed uh, this kind of... um, Kitty cat Kush or whatever it's called. We need to know the lowdown on on Dave the cat's uh, weed consumption, drug pen, drug tendencies. Chicago Magazine did a piece last month on the best cat CBD chews and treats. I kid you not. American Shaman Kitty Nugs, a great name for a cat, by the way, a cat a cat band, Kitty Nugs. You know, that would be that would, at Lollapalooza or Riot Fest. Kitty Nugs opening. For, or a member of the Viper Squad in Kill Bill Volume 3, right? Kitty Nugs. Wouldn't that be a good name? Anyways, Kitty Nugs was first Honest Paws, CBD, second, and just CBD. They tested CBD chew, gummies and chews for cats. So it reduces hyperactivity. At the suggestion of the inimitable Julie Swika, who started this whole thing, 
I have now failed to remember, even though she said, do this, see what Dave the Cat chews on, if Grody's ever done this. And so I guess we're going to have to wait at least another week to find out how Mark Grody's Dave the Cat can be drugged. Smoke weed every day. Yeah, that's it. So I want you all to know, Michigan is your Wake and Bake Club team. Legalized pot, and and Georgia doesn't have it. Texas doesn't have it. Alabama. Alabama does not have it. So that's that's our team. They're trying. Michigan is trying to buck a lot of. There's a lot of obstacles, a lot to overcome, a lot of history. Now we know why Alabama's so good because guys who guys who feared any kind of NFL drug test are going to go to state. Whereas, oh, you know, we don't allow drugs. We don't. And basketball players who said, "Yeah, I'll make the league. I see what they do in the league. I'm 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 going I'm going to a state where it's legal, where I'm not going to get busted for it." Seven seven nine texter, a really good point. Helps on the fourth of July for pets. It does. That's excellent. Yeah. Great point. That's excellent. Okay. Wow. Gummy. Choose for cats, choose for dogs. I just it's not a world I had ever investigated and Julie kind of opened my eyes to it. And so you have to remind me next time we talk with Grody, Dave the cat, drug habits, choose, C B D, whatever, if if Dave the Cat has investigated this, he was if he's dived deeply into the drug culture beyond I'll, beyond I'll, catnip, I'll ask you that r- then right now for, for for at least for my cat. When when should the next time that I give her catnip? When, when when should that be? I think you should visit the the sites that offer you a variety of cat chews, CBD chews, and and is your cat hyperactive? Is I'd say cat, so. Yeah. Well, then you would need a calming chew for your cat. So try Kitty Nugs or Honest Paws or I can't believe we're doing this. But, I had to ask when with the time what? coming. At some point, the Safe Banking Act will pass. And suddenly you can put all of your purchases on your credit cards. So when that happens, this show will be ground zero for advertising for the Wake and Bake Club. I think that's the only reason they're keeping me around. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we here at the WB Club are going to talk Bulls, that team known as Don't Let Max Levine Come Back. That's what they're officially changing their name to. We'll talk with Julia Poe of the Tribune. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, WB Club. Get your doggy a treat for Christmas. Doggy chews, doggy gummies, dog pot. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.